been washed clean. Monitor, there we go. But we're going to start service just a little bit different today. I'm going to ask if uh, Michael Murphy and, and Jordan come up here, please. We, we know Jordan. <laughs> this is Michael Murphy. Uh, Michael is, uh, he's in the Marines, and he's just come to uh, be here to, to see his wife baptized. Michael will be moving out here in just a little bit to go to wherever they want him to go. Uh, he is uh, protecting our country, and we want to just pray over him right now before he leaves for God's hand of protection on him. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, please stand. Please stand. And, and I'm going to voice a prayer, but I'm going to ask every person in this room to voice a prayer also. Uh, Michael Murphy, Marine, good man. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you just praising your name. We are so thankful for what's going on today. We're thankful for the salvation of these two. Father, we want to lift up Michael to you right now, that no weapon formed against him will prosper. Father, we're asking that your hedge of protection will be around him wherever he goes, protecting us and protecting our country. And Father, we just, we just claim that promise, God, that you'll just be with him, that you'll never fail him nor forsake him. That, Father, that uh, when times are tough, that he'll always remember who he is, and that is a child of the king. And Father, I just pray for that. I pray that he will be a living example to others for who he is in Christ. And God, we just ask again for your protection your hand upon him, Father, as he goes about doing what you've called him to do. And Father, I pray for Jordan as she's back home waiting another child. God, I pray for her, that Father, that uh, as he is gone, that time will move quickly for her, that she won't have to worry about him, that knowing that he is in the very palm of the holy God. And God, just give her peace and give her patience as she waits for his return. Father, we just love you. Father, we're just going to claim this promise right now, God. No weapon formed against him shall prosper at this time. Father, we just uh, give him into your hands right now, God. In your holy name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right, very good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Do we even need a message today? I <laughs> Oh, my goodness. God is so good, is he not? He just, it's just, I never am amazed, cease to be amazed how really good God is. The title of the message today is The Cure for Falling Away. I would like for everyone, if they would, to turn to the book of Hezekiah. If you go back, if you go back in the Old Testament, somewhere in the Old Prophets, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, you know, you know those guys, Haggai, Malachi, Hezekiah, maybe there's one that you've not heard of, go back to the, um, if you could, I'm not sure what page it's on, just go to a table of contents, maybe you can find it there. Just kidding. Just kidding. There is no book of Hezekiah. That's kind of my point, okay? I get Terry Riles down here grinning, fixing to say something. I can't get him quiet enough. (laughs) 
And I didn't, I didn't do that to embarrass anybody. I didn't, I didn't do that to make people feel like, gosh, I don't know what's going on here. I want to bring that illustration to you how easy it is to be deceived. How easy it is to, to think that something is right and that something is good. That something is, is uh, the way it should be. And yet, it's really not. And we know the enemy does that to us all the time, does he not? The enemy wants to deceive us. He wants to bring deception to us. He is the father of lies. And he will come at you with everything that he's got. And he has a history of that. Of deceiving people. Bringing deception. And saying something is, this is the way something is. When in reality it is really not. I mean you can go back to uh, Genesis in the very beginning. What does he do in the Garden of Eden after he's already instructed Adam and Eve what to do? And he asks the question, did God really say that? And if he did, he really didn't mean it. He really didn't mean it. And all he was doing, was he not, was deceiving those two people into thinking that God is really not doing what God told us he would do. We must be careful about that. You see, he is out to destroy you and I. He is out to destroy the lives of unbelievers and believers alike. We cannot allow him to do that. We even know that, that when Jesus was preparing for his mission and he goes off into the wilderness and he's praying and he's fasting, who shows up at his back door? The enemy does. And the enemy said, man, I know you're hungry. Change, that, change all that, those rocks to bread. And, or get up here and, and jump off this big ledge and, and, and the angels will protect you. Or here is the vastness that I've got for you. All you got to do is bow down to me. What was he trying to do? He was deceiving God, the Christ, as he was preparing. If he's going to attack even Jesus at that time, he will attack you too. And we must be strong in that area. You see, 1 Peter 5, 8 says we have an enemy prowling around. We have an enemy like a roaring lion that's looking for someone to devour. You see, we have an enemy that wants to bring you down. We have an enemy that wants to keep you in the pews when you know you need to step out of the pews. We have an enemy, John 10, 10 says it this way, that Satan has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to steal your joy. Did you know that? He's come to steal, to kill your testimony. And he's come to destroy your eternal salvation. He wants nothing better to do that. And he will bring all deception and all lies and everything that he's got in order to twist the truth, if you would. In order to make sure that you really don't know what God has, has said. We must be on the alert. The second part of 1 Peter 5.8 gives us a solution to that. Solution to that that the roaring liar and the lion that wants to devalue. And look what it says there. It says, number one, to be sober and be alert. Be alert, sober and be alert. You understand, Christians, that the enemy is going to come after you. You've got to understand that he wants to destroy your life and to kill you. You've got to understand. So you've got to be alert. You've got to be sober knowing that the attack is going to come. I was visiting with a, one of our men in our church this week, and he said, man, he said, I've been under so much temptation this week so much temptation and I and I told him I said you know that's a good thing that's a good thing because it just says that you're doing something good for God 
that when, when the enemy does not want you to do what God has called you to do, he will come after you and try to bring you down. And he came and he prayed and he looked at the scriptures and, and I haven't spoken to him yet today, but, but I just know that, that he knew that something, and he thought something was wrong in his life. And I said, no, it's just God. It's just God's gonna protect you. You're doing something for him that's good. Don't be deceived. Don't let the enemy get you. You're doing something really good. That's why it's important the Bible will tell us that we must know God's word. We must hide God's word in our heart because we have an enemy that's coming after us. We live in a world, do we not today, of false teachers, false pastors, false doctrine, false gospel. And all he wants to do is make sure that you believe some of that stuff. People are buying into that stuff today, are they not? The falseness of the gospel. Because the Bible says at the end times, that's what it's going to be. The Bible has already told us that there's going to be a lot of false things coming out after that. False doctrines and false gospels. We must be prepared for that as Christians. Matthew 24, 24 says it this, just to back that up. It says, false Christians and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders as to mislead or as to deceive as possible even the elect. Just because you have been born again does not mean you'll be under attack from the enemy. You know, as we are participating most likely in the end times, Timothy says it this way in Second Timothy 4. He says, you know, for the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching or doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And it will turn away their ears from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. The Bible has warned us that we're living in an end time, and these things are going to happen. You know, we hear all about... Uh, Wars and rumors of wars, and we hear of the earthquakes, and we hear of famines, and we hear of pestilence, and we hear all of that, all that kind of stuff that's going on. And, and and one of the things that we really don't hear much about—I mean, you probably knew all of those—we really uh, we don't speak much about the false teachings and the false gospels that's going to be out there, the falseness that's coming around us that we have to deal with as Christians. It is called an apostasy. It is called apostasy. That is a falling away from the truth. Falling away from the things that we know that are sound doctrines. And we live in a world where we're seeing that over and over, where we see pastors and preachers preaching the wrong gospel. And it sounds good to us. And, 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 I, and I read somebody that he described it as, as their teachings and the things that they are presenting are like, like smooth as honey. But in the end, it is being produced and shown and propagated and distributed by the demons of hell. We must be on guard, ladies and gentlemen, to know exactly what the Bible says. That's why we've got to know his word. There are two kinds of apostasies, I think. One deals with the church and denominations, and one deals with individuals. It's a falling away for a church or denomination, a falling away from biblical doctrine, okay, that we know is true and that has been changed in order to fit in to society. Do we see that today in many churches? 
we do that, a falling away, that, they, that they take, they're taking God's word and they're changing it to fit into society, knowing that what they're saying and what they're preaching is in opposition to God's word, that it doesn't fit in God's word, but they don't really care. They're just going to do it anyway because they think that if, if we change the gospel just a little bit, if we make it, if we tweak it just a little bit, that there's going to be more people that will want to hear it and more people will want to come to that church so we can have a higher attendance, we can have a, have a more of an offering and we can just be bigger and, and, and good things will happen in that area. And yet we find that that's, there's no truth to any of that. You see, false churches and false denominations, they never speak of sin and judgment in hell. They never speak of that. They never speak that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. They never preach on repentance. They never preach on salvation. They never preach on Jesus is the way to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And they don't ever get that kind of a gospel. And I promise you guys here today that I will, I will do my dead level best never to do that. I will preach straight from God's word. Because the more we know about God's word, the more that we can defend ourselves against the onslaught of the enemy. They preach a gospel that changes what God has said about the male and the female. It's a gospel that has been changed to, to what God says about marriage has been changed. What God has said about homosexuality has been changed in order to fit in society. He has changed what church leadership looks like. It's changed how we as, as parents are, are, are disciplining our children and trying to raise our children. And this falseness is everywhere, and they've changed that so that people will accept it better. And you see big churches coming up from that. And all that is is a false doctrine, a false gospel. I'm here to tell you we should never change what God said is true. We can never change his truth. Because once we do, we're going down a slippery slope, down the wrong way. I think the second apostasy that we we see in today's world are individuals individuals who have in their mind have decided to renounce their Christianity who want to walk away from their beliefs who said you know this Christian thing I'm I'm just kind of tired of it and I don't want to do this anymore that's sad but it's true There are two great examples of this that I think that we all can relate to. Of this individual who has turned their backs on Christ. There's a a guy in Zimbabwe who was one of the big leaders when I was there a couple years ago. And he he took teams around and evangelized uh, the city area. And it wasn't much after we left a couple years ago that, that he goes, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of the Christian walk. And he, and he just walked away from a faith. Not his faith, just a faith. And he walked away. What a sad thing. And he's never returned yet. And we see people like that all the time. The Bible gives us at least two really good examples of those folks that have turned their backs on the Lord. The first one is a guy by the name of Demas. Demas was a friend of, of the Apostle Paul. He was a guy that traveled with the Apostle Paul. And at one time, the Apostle Paul could depend on him and trusted him and believe that he had been truly been born again. And yet we read in Second Timothy 
that, that Paul makes this statement about Demas. He says, Demas loves the things of this world and he has deserted me. You see, Demas thought that uh, the glitz and glamour of this world was better than the things of God. And he walked away from his faith. What does it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? You see, Demas, Demas, he spent time with, besides Christ, with the greatest teacher, the greatest evangelist, the greatest church planner, the greatest writer in the history of the world. And yet, what happened to him? He was deceived by the enemy. The enemy said, no, this is not the way to go. That you are, the world is better than the things of God. And Demas walked away from his faith, which we will find out really was not a faith at all. So sad, so sad. The second guy that that we all know is a guy by the name of Judas. Judas spent three years walking with Jesus. Judas, he had seen the miracles. Judas had listened to the teachings. Jesus, uh, Judas had sit at the feet of Jesus when he was praying and he heard the prayers of Jesus. And he, and he, and he saw how, how Jesus just loved folks and how Jesus forgave folks and how he tried to lead out folks and yet what happened to Judas he chose to reject Christ he chose to reject Christ because in his mind he thought this worldly pleasures that are out there are better than what Christ has to offer and he rejected his salvation and turned his back on his salvation you see Judas walked with the greatest man that ever walked on the face of the earth Judas heard the greatest teacher on the face of the earth ever he heard the greatest pastor on the face of the earth and yet what happened to him and yet he decides that the riches of this world, 30 pieces of silver, were more important than the riches of eternal glory. And he turns his back on the Lord and says, this is what I want to do. That's sad. He had all the opportunities to walk with the Lord, and he chose the world. What is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and it loses his own soul? You see, he was fooled into thinking that riches were more important than repentance. He was fooled into thinking that self is more important than salvation. He was fooled into thinking this temporary is more important than eternal You see, he was fooled into thinking that hell would be better than the riches of eternal heaven. You see, he had every opportunity to accept Christ. But you see, he never did. 
we would call these two guys today pretenders. We would call them that, that they, they professed Christ, but they never possessed Christ. You see, these two guys had a religion. They had a religion, and they were good at it, their religion. But you see, they never had a relationship with Jesus. They had religion and knowledge and everything that, that this book might have to offer. They knew it. And yet the Bible says you must have a relationship. Religion will get you nowhere but separated from God forever and forever. But a relationship with holy Jesus Christ, the one who came and died on a cross and rose up on that third day, we absolutely have to have a relationship with him, okay, in order to receive salvation. These two guys were pretenders because they did not have a relationship with Christ. I'll stop right there on that because that's another message that we'll preach one of these days, okay? You got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we avoid how do we avoid being deceived like these two guys and like people all over the world today? What do we got to do to protect our hearts and protect our minds from from you know that that we believe we know the truth but but then the enemy comes and tries to steal that away from us? What will keep us from walking away from a faith? I mean, that's, that's, that's why we, what we've got to know, is it not? How do we safeguard that, our hearts and our minds and the truth that we know is right? Because we know the enemy's going to come after us. There's a great verse in the book of Jude. And it's the last part of verse 3. How do we, how do we protect ourselves against deception? You have that dirt? Jude 3. The second part of that, and it says that, Here's what is a command from God. This is not a suggestion and this is not optional. Look what it says. That we must contend earnestly for the faith. Which was once for all handed down to the saints. We must contend earnestly for the faith. And he handed that down once and for all to us the saints well what's he talking about here well the first thing I want to see is the faith part the faith what is that faith that we must contend earnestly for that faith is our belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior we must be able to contend for that we might even have to fight for that but that is a belief that we have and we should never give that up I think the second faith that we need to look at is that this book, this book that was inspired by God, inspired by God, is the absolute truth that God wants us to know. It is His revelation to us from Genesis to Revelation. And there is no, nothing that we need to add to it. There is nothing that we need to subtract from. That this truth is good. That this truth is complete. That this truth in this book was good 2,000 years ago when Christ walked on this earth. The truth of this book is good for us as we presently live. And this book will be good for another 2,000 years if Christ 
doesn't come back before then. This book is this book, and it is holy, and it is God's inspired word to you and I. You can take this book to the bank, knowing that every word in this book is truth. That is contending for our faith. Christians, we must contend earnestly for the faith. Christians, we must be in a spiritual battle for the truth of this book. Christians, we must never compromise the truth of this book. We should should never change the truth of this book. We should never concede the truth of this book. And when we are called narrow-minded, when we are called hypocrites, judgmental, we stand on his word because we know without a shadow of a doubt God's book, God's word, God's love letter to us is the truth and only the truth. We must understand that. Well, what do we do? How, how, what can we do as Christians, believers, that keeps us from falling away from the faith? That keeps us strong in the faith. That we will not be like Demas and will not be like Judas. What do we do? How do we apply this stuff? Well, I'm going to give you four things real quick that will keep us from falling away, from wandering away from the truth. The first thing I think that we must understand is we must love the faith. We must love the faith. You know, people will, people will die and people will sacrifice their lives if they love something. Did you know that? If they're in love with something, you'll do everything you can to protect it. We got Michael here who loves our country, who will do anything to protect our country. You see, we must love the Word. We must love God's Bible. We must love His Word. We must love the truth of His Word. And when we fall in love with the written Word, okay, we will then fall in love with the living Word is Jesus and you could even flip those around if you wanted to when we fall in love with the living word who is Christ we will want to fall in love with the written word which is God's love letter to us you see we must fall in love you've heard you've heard me say this a hundred different times in the last five years praying for a passion for God's word a passion to know God's word, a passion to pray, a passion to walk the Christian walk. You see, you won't fall away if you have a great love for God's word and a great love for God and a great love for his son. You will not fall away. Demas and Judas did not have that love. The second thing I want to tell you real quickly is we must learn the faith. You must learn the faith. How can you defend something if you know nothing about it? Think about that. How can you defend something, stand for something, and yet you know nothing about it? Psalm 119, 11 says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, you've got to hide God's word in your heart. You've got to put it here. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, the things of this word that we understand will light your way will send you in the direction that you need to go will allow you to follow after after the things of God and follow after Christ if you get to know this word 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is something that we must be convinced about if we're not going to fall away from the gospel. Look what it says. All scripture is inspired by God. Everything in this book was God-breathed. We've talked about that before. God-inspired. God-inspired. He inspired the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to write this book. It is 100% true. Amen. This scripture is inspired by God for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. So that the Son of Man may be adequate, equipped for every good deed. You see, if, if, if you're not convinced of that, if you're not convinced that that is the truth, that this is God's holy word, and when Satan tries to whisper in your ear that it's really not, did God really say that? Did he really say it? And you don't know if God's words really said it? You're in danger of falling. You're in danger of falling from the faith. We must know his word. We must be convinced of his words. We must be sold out in knowing this word. That's why I say, man, God, give us a passion to know his word. How did Jesus in, in that wilderness for 40 days, what did, how did he respond to the enemy? He read the scripture, quoted scripture, did he not? Man, we got to know scripture so that we won't fall for the deception and the lies of the enemy. The third thing I want to share with you real quickly, we must live the faith. Pastor Van used to say, you might be the only Bible that people see. Boy, that's, to me, that's humbling, <laughs> okay? You might be the only Bible people think. What does he mean by that? The way you live your life is more important than how you speak about Christ because they will not hear your words they'll hear them but they'll forget them but they will not forget the actions that you take and how you live your life people are that's just that's the way people are like that and when we are called narrow minded when we are called judgmental when we are called hypocritical I, I, I gotta encourage you do not concede do not compromise the faith but contend earnestly. Fight for your faith. Do not allow them to shake your faith. Do not allow them to cause you to doubt your faith. And when we are sometimes criticized for who we are in Christ, or, or, or we are called narrow-minded because there's only one way, and that's through Jesus, and, and the world will say, no, nah, that's not right. And we're called judgmental, and we're called all kinds of things, and it, it is so easy to get to the point in your life that somebody says that man and, and you can just feel the bitterness come up or, or or maybe an anger that comes up towards that person or that wrath that comes up and boy and the bible say no the bible says that's not what you do when that happens to you what do we do the bible tells us we speak the truth in love we speak the truth in love when they are in opposition to us we speak the truth in love. We don't speak it in bitterness or anger. We speak it in love. And why, why, why would the, the Lord want us to speak it in love? Because you see, as Christians, we are called to, to spread the gospel, yes. And we are called to pray for those folks who are in opposition to us. Because 
one day our heart should tell us that we want that person who just said that against you to be born again to be born again why do we speak the truth in love so that one day they will see the example that we're living and that one day they will want what we have and that is Jesus we speak it in love so that one day maybe they too will be able to come here and get dunked baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit last thing I want to tell you to keep to safeguard your heart and minds from falling this might sound funny, but you got to lose your faith. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> you got to lose your faith. I ain't going to lose it. You just told me not to compromise, not to concede, not to give it up, just to fight for it, contend for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I mean by lose your faith? You've got to tell somebody else the good news of the gospel. You've got to share that with somebody else. You've got to begin telling folks that God loves you and that Jesus died for you. And he rose again on that third day. And, and, and he can take the vilest sinner that there ever was. And make him into a child of the king. See, that's what I mean by losing your faith. You see, you share it with somebody else. You give it to somebody else. You let them know the good news. You love them enough to tell them, God loves you. Jesus died for you. See, that's a, that's a, that's a love that we all as Christians got to have. And when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to love God's Word so much and to learn His Word and to live His Word and give His Word out to somebody else, I can promise you if you are doing that with a, with a humble and a contrite spirit, that you will not fall away from the faith. You will not allow the enemy to deceive you. You will not allow the father of lies to have any kind of ground in your life. And you will not become a Demas and you will not become a Judas who pretended that they were, but they really weren't. They never were born again. They never had Christ. They never had a relationship. I'm telling you, the enemy is, is got his guns blazing, doesn't he? And I'm telling you, if you want to stand for the Lord and not concede and contend earnestly for the Lord, I'm going to promise you he's going to come after you. But you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's almost a badge of honor, if you would, that the enemy comes after you. Because that means you're doing something for the Lord. If you're just sitting, doing squat, doing nothing, doing anything, not just, you know, never reading, never praying, never coming, he got you right where he wants you. <laughs> okay? And he ain't going to mess with you. That's why Jude tells us we must contend earnestly. We must stand strong in our faith and never give it up. Is that possible for you and I to do? All things are possible with God. I would just encourage you, man. You know, the Bible tells us that we will be known by our fruit. Judas did pretty good there for a while, didn't he? He was known by his fruit, what he did. That's how he's remembered. Demas did really good there for a while. But we find out, we, we see who he really was because the Bible says his fruit showed who, we, who he was. Man, my prayer is today that every person in this room will not be a Demas, not be a Judas. That every person in here is, is truly been born again. And they're not pretenders, they're not think they are, 
but they know without a shadow of doubt. If you have any questions about that, I'd be happy to talk to you. How can you really know that you've been born again? And for the Christians, there's four things that you need to do to make sure you stay on that path that God has called you to stay on. Okay? That's where we begin our invitation time. Um, I don't know how God has spoken to you today. If you are a born-again believer, I hope this message encourages you. That, yeah, he's gonna, the enemy's going to come after you, but you've got some tools here that uh, uh, will help defeat him in your life. That you can live a victorious life, you can live an abundant life that he's promised to us. Uh, I hope you will incorporate those into your life. If you've never been born again, uh, I would ask you to come today to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Absolute, the greatest decision you'll ever make. And you will know without a shadow of a doubt that you're passing this life to that life. There is power. God will dispatch his angels to come get you and carry you right to the throne room. There is power. God loves you. All you got to do is accept the free gifts that God gives if you're a believer, I pray it's encouragement. If you're an unbeliever, I pray it's encouragement. If you are looking for a church home, I, I would ask you to consider this, pray about it, and see if the Lord wants you. Do business with the Lord right now. break Break, break every chain, chain out there. Break every You're bound chain, by a chain of sin.
will accomplish whatever you wanted to accomplish today in the lives of your people. Maybe encouragement, maybe conviction, I don't know. But Father, I pray that you had freedom to do what you needed to do here today. And Father, we'll give you all praise and glory because of that. God, I, th- I thank you for your blessings that you have given to us today. And Father, I pray that we'll be a people that, that will never fall away from, from you. That we will stay strong and, and contend earnestly for our faith. When the world tells us that it's wrong, 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 Father, I pray that we'll tell them it's right, 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 that you are the only way. And, Father, give us that strength to never compromise, never concede, but always contend earnestly for your faith. Father, I I pray for that. And as times get harder and harder, God, I just continue to reinforce us with your power. Thank you, Father, for for what you have done in in, in here today. And, Father, we just uh, praise your name. We look forward to what you have for us coming in the future. In your name, I pray these things. Amen.